We are diving right back into this, this series around fear. Um, I want to tell you something that happened to me before we read our scripture this morning. Um, Monday morning, last Monday morning, I sat down to dig into my sermon. I had kind of been mulling it over for two or three weeks, but I sat down to do the work, the commentary study, the prayer, and a few hours in, I realized this, we're not doing this. It just wasn't working, right? I was looking at where we were in our series, a story arc of our series, I was listening to the Holy Spirit. I had that thing happen where God totally comes in and wrecks your plans. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And I stood in the kitchen with my husband on Monday morning. And I was like, I hate it when he does this. When he like messes with my stuff. It's my stuff. It's my sermon. I had a plan. And he messes with it. And what followed was this spiral. I started to spiral into like, oh my gosh, my, my week is really full. And I set aside this time and I had a plan and I thought I knew what was happening and, and now that's out the window and I'm staring at this blank piece of paper and my stomach is getting tight and I'm feeling anxiety and then this is what I'm hearing in my head. This is going to be the worst sermon you've ever preached. <laughs> Actually, I don't, do you think you should even be preaching? I mean, really, people are going to hear this sermon because it's so poorly prepared for and such a disaster. They're going to be thinking, we shouldn't have Ruthie preach anymore. Like, this is where my brain is going. I'm sitting out in the yard and my husband comes out and he's like, are you okay? No, no, I'm not okay, babe. Like, all my plans are out. I, I don't know what's happening. So I did what all I knew to do in that moment. It wasn't pray. I probably should have prayed. But I got on my phone and I text. I texted the teaching team, texted a couple of friends. I was like, can you pray for me? Like, I, I just feel like I'm, I, like, all my plans, like everything that I knew, it's just, it's gone. Bunch of people started texting back, started to just breathe, and then I became aware to the irony. The irony that here I was called to preach a message about fear and anxiety, and without even seeing it coming, it had taken me out, and for about five hours, I was spiraling into this fearful imagination. Church, I want to say that to us this morning because it happens to all of us. Like we think we're, we're doing the hard work and maybe we are. We're thinking all the things and we're doing all the study and then we realize just how familiar we are with fear. Just how comfortable we are with it. That it just sneaks right in the back door and it hijacks our imagination and we're a few hours in or maybe even longer but before we realize like, whoa, what just happened? I wonder if there's a different way to live. I think there is a different way to live. I think it's possible to disrupt these cycles of fear and anxiety and to live into a place of courage. And that's what I want to preach to us about this morning. So you, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians 3. I hope you can stay with me. It's a whopping two verses. So hang on to your seats. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power at work that is, sorry, his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you that despite the fact that we are often unaware of what is going on in our life, you are not. 
God, I I thank you that despite the fact that fear comes in and sometimes it takes over without us even realizing, God, you have a strategy and you have provision for us to live into courage. Lord, even though we at times feel helpless because we are so familiar with our fear, it's been just where we've lived and where we've hung out. It's just become part of our personality. God, that does not mean that you cannot come and do a transforming thing in our life. And that's what we ask you for this morning. Would you disrupt the familiarity of fear and anxiety in our life? And would you give us the tools to move into a place of courage? In Jesus' name, amen. So I've been in this place the last eight months, big transition. And I wish I could say that what happened on Monday is kind of rare for me. I wish I could say, well, gosh, no, I don't deal with fear. Or, you know, if someone had said to me, are you a fearful person? I would have said, well, you know, periodically, but I wouldn't say that it impacts and influences that much of my life. And then, as many of you know, I'm in this transition. I've been leading an organization here in San Francisco. It's called Because Justice Matters. I founded it 13 years ago. I've been the executive director. And then God said, step out of that. So for eight eight months, I've been kind of moving away from a role that I have known and I've loved and has been great. And I'm moving into, I don't know. And, you know, finding someone to step into my role Super easy, even the transition, fairly easy. What has been problematic is me. I have been the most difficult thing to deal with in the midst of this transition. Because what has happened is God has brought me to the edge of the plan that I had. God has brought me to the edge of the map that I had for my life, the things that I knew and that I was comfortable with. And as I crept up on the edge of that, suddenly fear came up. It was like I was free falling out of a plane and I started pulling on every parachute of like, I hate this. I don't like this. This is unknown. This is scary. I started looking into my future and I was like, I don't know. I'm imagining all this stuff. And I'm realizing that kind of deep in the corners of my life, there is this fearful imagination going on. Started to experience anxiety, even sleepless nights discouragement and deep questions about my identity. And then I started working with a life coach and she started asking me questions and I started to see all these little places where fear was just sneaking in, just like on Monday morning, fear was just sneaking in and hijacking my imagination. Maybe I was looking towards my future and not seeing it, it wasn't clear, it's uncertain, and I'm starting to feel fear and anxiety. I had crazy ideas, like maybe I could do this for women, and dreams that were bubbling up, and then there were all these, no, you can't do that. Here's all the reasons why you can't do that. And I thought about taking really brave and bold financial steps and investments, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have the resources and scarcity and all of these things. I don't think God wants us living with a fearful imagination. I think that God invites us into something else. And I think for us to live into what I would call a courageous imagination, then we need to know who God is. I mean, who is this person that we are partnering with in our thinking? 
I mean, how do we redeem all of the stuff going on up there, all this anxious thinking, all of these ways that we live by default? How do we do that? We do it by knowing who God is. And Ephesians 3 tells us something about who God is. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he ends Ephesians 3 with what is known as a doxology. It means that he is praising God. And it's as if Paul is caught up in this moment with God. It's like his crescendo, like the pinnacle of everything he's been saying in chapter one and two and three. He's like telling the the Ephesians about their identity in Christ. And now he wants to convince them it's possible. It's possible for you to live into that. And so then he goes into this just eruption of praise. And I want to pull out three things from this very short scripture that I think we need, and I think we need to cling on to if we're going to live in a courageous imagination. The number one is God is able. Paul says, to him who is able. Not to him who is weak or distracted or scrounging around for resources or counting his pennies or looking at the bank and going, I don't know. Not to someone who's burned out and doesn't want to try again. He is able. Church, do we have a vision of God being able? You see, there are some things that God has for us beyond our imagination, beyond what we can do ourselves, and we need a vision of a God who is able. I think most of us, myself included, have a vision of God that is too small, that maybe he's able to do some things, but not all things. I mean, maybe he can do something with this part of my life, but this one, I, don't, I, can't, I can't imagine that. I can't see that. I don't know whether he's able. But Paul says to him who is able, what do you think God is unable to do in your life this morning, church? I mean, what are the places that are so extreme, so difficult, so beyond help, so challenging, so frustrating, so marked by fear that you're like, I don't know if God is able because that is exactly what he's going for this morning. He wants to show you that it's not in your own strength. I mean, how often are we hustling around trying to make things happen? Pushed by fear, trying to control, clutching and working and doing all of the things. And all the time, God is standing right there saying, I'm able. You're not able. I am able. So what what does Paul say he's able to do? Well, it says he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So God is not just able, but he is abundant. He can do more, more than we think, more than we can ask, more than we can imagine. In Isaiah 55, there's that very famous passage where God's like, hey, yo, my thoughts, my thinking, the way that I work, what I do, it's just so much higher my thoughts, my ways. It's not like a little bit higher. It's not like you and I are conversing and you had an idea and that's cool, but I had a slightly better idea. No, God's like, I'm so much higher. I think I'm so, so far beyond the way you think, the way you do stuff, the way you imagine. I'm abundant in the way I show up. Church, I believe that if we're going to move into a courageous imagination, if we're going to even have the power to leave behind a fearful imagination, then we need to quit putting limitations on God. We need to say, okay, God, I know I've lived this whole time thinking that you could maybe do a little better than me. 
Maybe you could answer a slightly bigger prayer. Maybe you could provide, you know, maybe I need this much. You could maybe go a little bit more. And now, God, I need a vision of you that blows limits out of the water because you are not restrained and you are not held back. You can do more than we could ask, more than we can imagine. God has stuff for us, church, on the, on the other side of the boundaries of our imagination. That's where he exists. That's where he's operating. That's where he's doing stuff. And I believe that he's calling to us reality, San Francisco. I believe that he's saying, I know that's where you are, but come on, there's more. Come on, there's more. More than you can ask. More than you can imagine. God is abundant. And you know what, church? Sometimes we don't even know what to ask for. I mean, sometimes maybe you're facing this in your life. You're like, I don't even know what prayers to pray. He can still do more. Amen. See, we don't have to check the boxes. We don't have to pray the right thing as God can do so much more than even we know how to ask for. God is able. God is abundant. God is active. Paul says that he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. Church, God is at work. I don't know, I don't know about you, like sometimes I feel like maybe he's chilling, maybe he's distracted, maybe he's just like not as engaged as I am because I'm really busy down here, God, doing my thing, I'm working. But the truth of the scripture is God's power is at work and it is not out there somewhere to be found. It's not something to conjure up. It's not, God's power is not lost or missing. It is at work in our lives. If we are followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work within us and through us. Let me ask you, church, do you know what the Holy Spirit's doing? I mean, if this power is at work, if something is actually active, not stagnant, but there's momentum, there's movement, what is it? I mean, are we tuned into the Spirit? Do we know how God is working in our lives, in our community, in our city? How do we partner if we don't know what he's doing? God is able, God is abundant, and God is active. And I believe that he is leading us into living from a courageous imagination. That we have all of that stored away. He can do it. And he can do more. And he's actively doing it in me and through me. And that leads us to a courageous imagination, a mind committed to possibility, creativity, and love. It's a way of living that partners with the work of the Holy Spirit to go places we never thought we could go, to be people we never thought we could be, to see miracles, to see heaven come to earth. It's our courageous imagination that allows us to partner with God. But how do we even know when we're living from a fearful imagination or courageous imagination? What does that even look like? Well, I want to break it down for us this morning, share a little bit from my life too. The first way I want to contrast a fearful and courageous imagination. Number one, a fearful imagination has a narrow lens but a courageous imagination has a wide lens. What I mean by this is, have you noticed how fear is so limiting? 
It's so restrictive. It has us focused on all the things we can't do, all the things that are impossible, all those small places, all the things we know how it's going to turn out. And so we've got this one story, one narrative. It's so tight and it's so restrictive. It focuses on the problem and all the why not and all the terrible things. That's how fear operates. But you see, a courageous imagination pursues possibility. You see, the lens goes from really small to really wide. It gets open and it says, impossible? That's where God starts. Closed door? Where's the open one? It starts looking for possibility in all of these places. Let me tell you, sometimes we end up with this narrow lens because we have to. We end up in this place where the problem is so big and we're just getting through. I mean, maybe you've had that in your life. Maybe you found yourself in an abusive situation. Maybe you found yourself with a boss that's really difficult to work with, a schedule that's really hard to manage, finances that are lacking, and you just got got to work it. You're just trying to push through, and that got you through. But church, let me tell you, God has more for us than just getting through. See, that might have brought you this far, and it's okay to say thank you, but you know what? God has so much more for us. He doesn't want us just surviving. He wants us thriving in possibility. And so when you find yourself limited thinking, stuck on the problem, just pause and say, okay, fearful imagination, but God invites me to see possibility. God invites me to refocus on the God who is able, abundant, and active because God can use anything and any circumstance in our life. We're looking for possibility with that, lo- that wide lens. Number two, a fearful imagination is listening to criticism and a courageous imagination listens to community. Have you ever noticed how fear doesn't feel very positive, right? When you listen to fear, it doesn't feel like, yeah, that's a good word, amen. It, like, it, it makes it, oh, all the reasons you can't do this because you're this, because of that. Like, all this criticism, this harshness, this negativity that comes with it, reminding us to stay small and stay lonely and stay hopeless. Don't try that. Don't trust again. I mean, this is how fear works in our life. That was me Monday morning, Ruthie, this sermon. It's going to be awful. Like the voice of that critical fear. But I think instead a courageous imagination listens to community. When I was in middle school, I used to do gymnastics. This is very Olympics appropriate analogy for you today. I used to do gymnastics and I I can remember this one time. It was an after school program, we were in the gym. And we were doing that kind of run up to the box where you hit it with your hands and you flip over. And so I was running towards the box and I I misplaced where I put my hands and I fell. I kind of half flipped and smashed against the box. And I remember being so humiliated because it's middle school. It's like the worst time, right, in your life to fail publicly. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, I can remember it to this day, like on that mat, kind of crouched over And I thought, well, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Like, just kind of get up and creep to the back of the room. Hopefully not everyone saw, and just don't try that again. Sound familiar? The voice of fear, don't do that again. You look stupid. Like, that's embarrassing. There's that critical voice. 
And in that moment, my middle school gymnastics teacher, Mrs. Heseltine, she stopped the entire room. I was like, oh my gosh. And she, everyone stopped, and she looked at me, she said, Ruthie, do it again. And I was like, last thing I want to do is do it again. Because fear is pounding in my head. You're going to look so foolish if you do that again. You're going to fail again. And she made me walk to the front of the line, and she made me run at it again. And this time, I hit it perfect. And I did a flip, and I landed, and I thought, gosh, we all need someone in our life to say, do it again. You see, this is the courageous community that we need. We need people that see us in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of the wrestling, like the people texting me on Monday morning, do it again, Ruthie, get up again, don't give up. You see, that's the voice that we listen to in our head. And everything that's opposed to that do it again voice comes from fear, comes from our fearful imagination. Church, who are your do it again people? Who are the people that walk into your moment and say, I know that relationship hurt you really bad. And I know it feels like you can't try again, but get up and do it again. I know you tried for that thing and it fell apart. I know finances are a struggle, but we can do this. I'll stand with you. Do it again. You see, a courageous imagination seeks out a courageous community. Have you noticed how courage is contagious? Have you noticed when there's people around you saying, do it again, I did it, here's my story. Suddenly something grows inside of you and it feels possible. We need a courageous community around us because fear breeds in isolation. I mean, fear just like gets stronger and louder the more we're in our own thoughts. Number three, a fearful imagination is hijacked but a courageous imagination is redeemed. You see, God never imagined our, never created our imagination for us to sit in the corner of our studio apartment at home thinking about all the terrible things that might happen and all the things we shouldn't do and all the ways we should stay small. That's not the purpose of our imagination, but fear has come in and hijacked it and said, I want you to use it. Lend your imaginative power to thinking of all the things that could go wrong. But do you know what? A courageous imagination is a redeemed imagination. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we're not trying to do this ourselves. The Holy Spirit partners with us to transform our mind back to what it should be, back to what it was designed to be, to be able to imagine the things of God to imagine his kingdom, to empathize and have compassion for other people, to be creative, to partner with God in creating things in the world. This is the purpose of our imagination and fear has hijacked it. But God is redeeming it and he's doing it by the power of his Holy Spirit. Number four, a fearful imagination loves comfort, but a courageous imagination seeks out discomfort. You see, if fear tells us, stay safe, stay small, stay where it's comfortable. Because just like me and where I'm at in my life right now, when you, when you get up on the edge of the plan, get up on the edge of the map, fear starts barking really loud, right? You can't go any further. You're not allowed to try that. 
You're not allowed to believe that you'll be disappointed. Like it comes in with all the things. And so we just back away from the edge and we say, okay, that was scary. Won't try that again. And we deal with the feelings by staying in what's comfortable. But here's the thing, friends. Comfortable people don't need a savior. Comfortable people don't need a savior because I'm good. I'm fine. I'm safe. There's nothing scary out there. God is leading us into places of discomfort because that is where the growth happens and that is where we learn to trust him. And that is the whole point of this series, church. We can talk about fear and anxiety and courage, blah, blah. But you know what the whole point is? Trusting Jesus, putting ourselves in spots where we say, God, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I'm terrified. I've never done this before. It failed last time. I'm sleepless in the middle of the night. I got all this anxiety. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That is the whole point of this. You see, discomfort is the pathway. It's the gateway. It's the way into those things that we can't even ask or imagine, but that God has for us. It's how we access them. Because when we're in comfort, we're in control. I mean, when we're in comfort, we're like, uh, this is my world. I'm really good. Don't ask me. Don't, put, don't push on that thing, Jesus. Don't, like me Monday morning, don't mess with my plans. I'm comfortable with the scripture that I had and the work that I'm done. And God's like, I'm going to need you to trust me. This is an invitation. The discomfort in your life right now is an invitation to trust him. And you see, what we'll do is we'll start to put, it's like I have a dog. And you know when dogs run really fast and they put their paws out, but they're still like moving forward. It's like that kind of thing. We're like, whoa, Jesus, no. Like we're resisting. We're resisting the invitation. But I want to tell you that the invitation is taking you into discomfort to take you beyond where you can ask or imagine. Where is God inviting you this morning into the discomfort Number five, fearful imagination is Jesus absent and a courageous imagination is Jesus centered. Do you remember the beginning of this series, Al Abdullah kicked us off and one of the things he shared, which I totally relate to, is this idea of imagining a future and Jesus is absent. I mean, how many times do we do that? Difficult conversation we gotta have, place we've got to go, we've never been before, life circumstance, new relationship, whatever it is that we're navigating, we begin to imagine, right? We begin to use what God has given us and we begin to think this is what's going to happen. They're going to say this, I'm going to do that. This is going to happen, then they'll be. And before we know it, can anyone relate? Is this just me? Before we know it, we're like five years down the line. We've planned out every conversation, everything as if we know, And then when we pause for a second, we're like, oh, Jesus, shoot, was he supposed to be here? Like, we're like, I don't know, because I've got it all planned out in my mind. You see, Jesus is absent. I imagine my future sometimes, and I get like 15 minutes in, right? We're just lost in, and then there's going to be this thing and that thing. And everything is kind of centered around the fact that Jesus isn't there. I mean, it's like all the bad things that could happen, that I could get up on the stage today and it could be a disaster and I won't know what to say and then they won't invite me back and then I'll cry in a corner and like all of these things, right? But then I started thinking, well, well, what if Jesus is there? I mean, what if Jesus is already there? And what difference does his presence make when I begin to imagine Every conversation with Jesus centered. 
and my entire future with Jesus having gone before it and already set some things in motion. John 10 is one of my favorite passages. It's where Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. He says this in verse four. When he, he's talking about himself, he's brought out all of his own, all of his sheep. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. This week, I sat with this, and Holy Spirit just highlighted this to me. Every time we imagine a future or a circumstance without Jesus already in it is to deny that he is the good shepherd. Every time we imagine our future absent of Jesus already having gone and done something incredible on our behalf, we deny that he is the good shepherd. Because here in his word, he says, I go on ahead of you. It's who I am. It's what I do. There is no future for you that I am not already part of. And so church, we need to check ourselves today because how often does this fearful imagination take over and Jesus is just like an afterthought when really Jesus is front and center? I mean, he is already at work on your behalf. Don't forget his nature. He's able, he's abundant, and he's active. Number six, one of the characteristics of a fearful imagination is paralysis but a courageous imagination moves us to action. Often fear will cause us to just to stop, right? We edge up on something, we try something, we think about something and we go, no. And that is one way that fear shows up in our life. But here's another thing. This, this is what I relate to. Maybe some of you can relate to this. Fear motivates me to action, but the wrong kind of action right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. So I'm going to make a spreadsheet and a checklist and make my plans and do the research. And I'm like, the wheels are turning, but it's paralysis of the wrong kind of the right kind of thing and movement and the wrong kind of thing, right? God's like, rest, trust me. Oh, I can't do that. I've got too much to do over here. I've got plans to make. I've got things I've got to think through, right? And this is how fear works in our life. It stops us from doing the things that God's called us to do, whether that's to move forward or to rest, and gets us overworking on the things that we shouldn't be doing. You know, the thing about The thing about this courageous imagination, it doesn't just dream about things. I mean, it actually does stuff. Genesis, it talks about how the spirit was hovering over the earth before creation. It's almost like this creative, imaginative moment. And God didn't stop there. He didn't go, hmm, good thoughts. I I could do all these things. I could make these people, these trees, they could be, wow, geez, that's really great. Cool. Like he didn't do that. He had this moment where he's dreaming and he's imagining and then he did something with it. Church, I believe that one of the signs of a courageous imagination is we don't just get stuck dreaming, but we get about partnering with the spirit and doing the work of God. It's moving from paralysis to action. So what does this look like? You're like, cool characteristics. I want to be honest with you. These have helped me this week. So many times when I found myself going down this path and I go, hang on, is Jesus there? No. Okay, fearful imagination. Okay, am I doing what he's asking? No. Okay, there's the paralysis. Like it's helped me identify. So what does this look like in the real world? I mean, what does this look like day to day? Let me tell you a story. 
My family and I were recently in Maui on a family vacation. Woohoo to Hawaii, everyone and their mom going right now. And uh, we were there. And uh, I had been, <laughs> I'd been really proactive, of course, and I had scheduled our dinner, our dinner reservations every night of the week except the last night. And somehow we got two days before, and I was like, oh, I haven't booked in anywhere. And because everybody is there right now, couldn't get a reservation anywhere. And so this evening comes, and we tried a couple more places, and we drive to places. Oh, it's a two-hour wait. Oh, my gosh. And we got to this point where we tried everything close to us, we got two kids in the back who were hungry, and my husband looks at me and he's like, I hate to say this, but are you willing to try this, this burger place? And it was a chain restaurant that you could go to anywhere in America. And I was, this is, I was like, I don't want to eat there. We are in Maui. I have visions of us on a beach with the sun, but this is reality, and um, we've got to eat somewhere. So reluctantly, I was like, yeah, babe, let's go there. So we drive in, parking area. There's nothing pretty. There's nothing Hawaii feeling about it. I'm walking up to the door, and I'm, I'm honestly I'm grumbling. I'm miserable inside. I'm like faced with the reality of, like, we have to eat, and I don't want to be here, and it's not fair, and this is so disappointing, right? So we go in, super COVID conscious. We've got the masks on. They're very, like, about the rules. But we get a seat immediately. And we're sitting there, and we're eating. And I'm annoyed still. The food wasn't great. Um, but, you know, brave face and all as I'm shoving it in. And as I sit in my booth, a woman walks past me. She's someone that works at the restaurant. And as she walks past, it's like the Holy Spirit is like, you're here for her. And I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> now, if you're like, what, what's that like? It's nothing weird. It wasn't like tongues of fire on her head. It was just like, you know, when you're reading scripture and one word pops out at you and you're like, oh, it was like that. It was like a swarm of people and she walked past and she was like popped out and I knew Holy Spirit was up to something. But I kept on eating and doing our thing and it was time to go. And as we got up to leave, she was right there at the door with two of the co-workers either side. And now the Holy Spirit is like, um, you've got a word for her. Nope, I don't think I do. You've got a word for her. I want you to go pray for her. So being like the holy preacher that I am, I walked right out the door. <laughs> right out the door, friends, okay? Because here's the deal. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm not afraid for my life. I'm not, you know, I'm afraid of being embarrassed and humiliated. I'm afraid that I'm going to walk up to this woman and not have a word. And as I walk out the door, I hear this. That's right, Ruthie. You're on vacation. You're not in like prophetic mode. You're in vacation. Now, I don't even believe in that stuff, right? I don't believe there's a vacation mode and a prophetic mode. But it sounded like a great excuse at the time. So I was like, Holy Spirit, I am on vacation right now with my family. And, and I was like, 
you know, I don't really, I, you know, and I was like, oh man, that's not a great excuse. We're walking to the car, the kids are chatting. I mean, all of this is going on inside of me. So that didn't work. So then fear starts with, that's right, you'll look really foolish if you go back in there and you have nothing to say. This woman's going to laugh in your face. Like, here comes the criticism. Here comes the narrow lens. Here comes all the problems, right? So I get into the car and my heart is pounding and I'm fighting with God. My fearful imagination is wrestling with my courageous imagination. And I'm like, I don't know what to do in this moment. And as we start to drive away, I said to Brian, uh, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to go back and talk to that woman. Now, Brian's used to this. So he's got his hands on the wheel. <laughs> and it, literally, this is what he says. Okay, we'll make a decision because we're about to hit the freeway. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... <laughs> And, and in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, I want to do something in that woman. Would you join me? I was like, Amen. dang it. Like, I got I to gotta say yes to that, right? So I'm like, okay, turn the car around. So we start turning the car around. Now, I wish I could tell you that the moment that I chose courage, the fear disappeared. We didn't and actually intensified. And now we're actually driving, and now I've committed. The back of the car is silent. My kids are like, what's going on? And I'm like, okay, guys, so this is kind of strange, but we're going back to the restaurant because mommy thinks she might have a word for that person. And I'm like, but I don't even know what I'm going to say. And this voice comes from behind the back of the car, literally. Sometimes God brings it at the 11th hour. And I'm like, what? I mean, there's my courageous community, right? Like, right there, my kids are preaching to me, plug to volunteer with the children, because this is the impact that it has, right? So my kids are preaching to me from the back. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I get out, and Brian's like, all the best. And I'm like, thanks, babe. So I'm like walking in and my heart's racing and I don't know what I'm going to say. And all I can hear is all of the fear and all of the anxiety and it's just crazy in my mind. And I walk in and she's not there and I think, okay, this is just a test. And now I've passed and I can go back out. And I, I just knew I couldn't. So I looked at the woman at the desk and I was like, um, I was just here, can I use the bathroom? And she's like, sure, it's right there. So I'm walking through the restaurant and there she is wide in a booth, cleaning it off. And I'm like, oh, this is such a God setup. This is such a God setup. She's right by herself. But she's right next to this table of like eight people. So I walk over, mask, you know, everything. Hey, this is going to sound weird, but um, I was just here with my family. I love Jesus. I feel like he wants me to pray for you. And she looks up at me. And she's like, and it's like longest two seconds ever, right? And I, I, can, I can feel the eight people behind boring into the back of my, and I'm just like, oh, so uncomfortable in this moment. Doesn't feel good. And she looks at me and she's like, I'll never turn down prayer. And I was like, oh, here we go. And so I was like, okay. So I like go to sit down in the booth and she's like, oh, no, no, no. I've got to keep working. I was like, oh, okay. So it's kind of awkward. And, you know, it's muffled because we've got masks. And I was like, can I get your name? And let's call her Sarah. And, and Sarah's, I said, Sarah, how can I pray with you? And she's like, you just, you know, do your thing. And I'm like, I've got nothing now. I've got nothing. I don't, I don't have the word that I'm supposed to have. 
And so I just start to pray. And here's the thing about it, friends. It's kind of like when Israel is on the edge of the Jordan and God's like, ah, you're gonna have to step in before I stop the water. God's like, you're gonna have to show up and start praying before I give you the word. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So I just start, you know, God just bless Sarah, bless her family. And right then the word comes. And I speak it over her and I wrap it all up. Amen. And I think, how do you, how do you exit? You know, how do you, okay, cool, you know? And so I was like, okay. And she stopped what she was doing. Keep in mind, super COVID, friend, like they're like COVID everything. She walks over to me, she wraps her arms around me. And she's like, thank you so much. And I walked out of that restaurant and Brian's in the car like, how'd it go? And I'm like, you know, two thumbs up. And I'm walking back to the car and then I'll drive back to our hotel. I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. I mean, facing fear and anxiety, terrifying and uncomfortable and, and no one wants to do it. And, and the whole time I had, I was like, I'm going to walk into the restaurant. She'll be standing with people and I'll offer to pray and they'll laugh at me and it'll be so awkward. I had, my imagination was just on overdrive with fear. But when I chose courage, God showed up and I got back into the car and my kids were like, so what happened? And so then we're driving back and we're just chatting and Brian turns to me and he's like, you remember when we didn't want to be here tonight? Like, we didn't want to eat this food, and it wasn't what we had planned, and it felt like, you know, this isn't what we do on vacation here in Maui. Do you think it's possible we, all of this was for Sarah? And I was like, suddenly it reframed everything. And I thought, how often do I miss out on partnering with God because I'm postured towards disappointment and scarcity instead of possibility? I mean, how often are we walking around San Francisco and there are Sarahs everywhere, but we're so caught up in our narrow thinking and our anxiety and all the things that we don't have and how God's not going to show up. But what if he is going to show up? And what if there's more than we need? And what if miracles do still happen? And as we're driving back in the car and we're talking about this and my kids are like, well, how did you know? And then what did you do? And so it turned into this whole testimony with my children of just like, this is what it means to partner with Jesus. He gets to interrupt our lives and we don't go, hang on, that's not the plan or you're messing with my stuff. But instead we go, okay, what's the possibility here? What, God, what might God be up to? What's the beautiful thing that you want to do? You see church, we're in this series and it's like, oh, I'm so struggling with fear. I mean, it's just who I am. It's my family. It's what I've always done. It feels hard to break it. It feels hard to choose courage, but church, it is worth it. It is worth it because those moments you walk out of the restaurant and you think, I just got to be part of something amazing that God is doing in Sarah's life. And then I lent my imagination to, okay, what might that be? Yeah. And then I started thinking, is she going to go home and give her life to Jesus tonight? I mean, is she going to have a transformative dream tonight? Is, she, is her life going to be turned around? That's not grandiose, proud thinking. That's a courageous mindset that says, when I partner with God, big things happen. I mean, when I say yes to him, resources are released. Heaven comes down. It's worth it, church. It's worth the therapy and the coaching and the retraining our minds and the journaling and the Emmanuel prayer and all of the things that we're doing to say, Jesus, I choose you. Transform me. It's worth it. It's worth it. 
See, this is how we're going to see San Francisco impacted for the gospel. This is going to help how we see Jesus come. It's through every day saying, okay, am I operating in my fearful imagination? Or am I choosing courage? Am I saying, God, it's possible because you're able, because you're abundant, and because you know what? You're already doing it. You're active. I just get to say yes to the good work that you're already doing. See, a courageous imagination moves us beyond ourselves. It says it's not all about me and what's going on here. It's about, God, you're so big and so vast and so amazing. And you've invited me to partner with you. And I get to lend my imagination to the things of the kingdom. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up this morning. And as we close, a couple of things I just want to point out. How do we keep embracing this courageous imagination? Well, number one, we agree with who God is. We agree with who he is, able, abundant, and active. If you need to, I don't know, get Ephesians 3 tattooed onto your body, whatever you need to do, like, or you could just stick it up in your room, whatever, but like, have it somewhere where you get to keep accessing what is true, because you know what? The world will tell you that he's not able. And the world will say, there's not enough. And the world will say, nothing happening here. Where's God? He's not doing a thing. And so we have to step back into scripture and say, this is what is true. He is able. He is abundant. And by God, he is active in our lives. And we have to plant ourselves on that and let it form us. Let scripture form us to be the kind of people that have a courageous imagination. We need to come out of partnership with a fearful imagination. This is not a one and done. This is not a, okay, I choose courage and I'll never slide back into fearful imagination again. That's not how it works because we are ongoingly being transformed. But we can keep choosing courage and we can keep coming out of partnership with fear. So every time you notice, every time you see that, that narrow thinking or the, the Jesus absent thinking, or the paralysis, we can pause and we can say, oh, I, I want to choose something different. In an age of anxiety, I can choose courage. And it, sometimes it's 100 times a day, 100 times a day. But let me tell you, the more we do it, the more familiar we will become with courage, that it will start being our default. So when we have these moments, where Holy Spirit's like, I want you just to pause your day and go talk to that person. Our default will become not, oh no, but, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like we begin to live into that. We need to ask God to help us identify that fearful imagination and then reveal opportunities to embrace a courageous imagination. Let's go ahead and do that now. Those of you in the room, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're at home, just take a moment where you are. And let's just take a moment to agree with who God is, to resist the fearful imagination and the way that it wants to hijack and take control of our life and to choose courage. Let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. I believe that he's working because it says that he is. He is active even right now. Holy Spirit, would you just bring to our memory and our mind right now places where we have been living from a fearful imagination, where we have been so 
I just see like um, kind of almost like a hamster on a wheel, retelling the story, unable to sleep at night, anxiety driving us. I think some of us have a particular situation that we're facing this week. It might be a hard conversation. It might be a work thing. It might be something new. I don't know what it is, but there's something going on this week and you've just been like, oh, and it's just been gripping you. And I think that God wants to come right now and remind you who He is and remind you that you can choose a courageous imagination because of who He is. I had a specific word that I felt this week as I was preparing, and that was for people who were experiencing nightmares. So if you are someone that have, has been experiencing nightmares, um, if you just want to just put your hand on your heart, wherever you are, and I just want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, we come against the spirit of fear. And we come against the spirit of anxiety and night terrors in Jesus' name. And we ask that you would free those in our community who have been stuck in a cycle of nightmares, who have felt like, I don't know how to get free from this. I don't know how to retake my mind. God, we declare this morning that you are transforming and renewing our minds by the Holy Spirit. So we cut off the lie of the enemy. We come out of agreement with the enemy that says that he has space to speak to us in our dreams and we cut off those nightmares in Jesus' name and we ask instead for courageous imagination, for courageous dream life. Come Holy Spirit. sense that there are some of us in our community that are, it's almost like our identity has been formed around being fearful and anxious. You're like, oh, this, this series is, is just me. It's who I've always been. It's who my family is. I don't know how to do it different. And even the very thought of I can't be different is coming from a fearful imagination. You see, God then says all things are possible. So I pray for you this morning of your feeling like this has just defined me. It's limited me. I feel like there are those of you, that some of you really want to get back into dating and it has been just like, you just can't see a way forward because you've, you've just had such a, a history of things being painful and difficult and disappointing. I think God wants to reinvigorate your imagination of what's possible. I sense that there are some of you here that are feeling like, do I even have a courageous community? Do I even have a person that will step in and say, do it again? God just wants to reinvigorate your imagination that He can bring you those people. You've lost some of those people this year and you're grieving that and you're like, I don't know if I have anyone left and I just want to speak over you and myself that all things are possible. Even the community that we feel like we've lost, God, you can bring us people to hold us and to stand with us and say, Ruthie, do it again. Reality San Francisco, do it again. Thank you, Jesus. Would you continue to just ignite faith in us for the impossible? God, I just feel like you wanna keep reminding us, keep reminding us, keep reminding us. All things are possible. You have things for us beyond what we can imagine, and we just want to say yes and amen to them. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord.